Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hey, Jen. Hey, Michelle. How wonderful to be with you. Great to be back. It's our second episode for 2023. Woohoo! Hasn't it started off with a joyful energy? I've just had such a great couple of weeks. How about you? It's been a glide. Mm, That can be (laughs) a good thing. It has been a good thing. It hasn't been a bang. It has been a glide. And Mm. I'm grateful. I'm grateful it's been exactly what I've needed. Mm -mm. Yeah. So we've just been chatting about our ebbs and flows and how we come into our artistry and how we manage our own energies in that. And I think that following on from last episode with Yolanda, where we talked about self-care for us as artists, let's talk some more about this, but from some experiences that are coming up for both of us, but I'd love you to lead us off, Jen. Yeah. And I, you know what, I just want to say the serenity prayer, because I think it's so much about what we are talking about today. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, which is where the serenity comes from. <laughs> you know, just that the dive into the, the new year as an artist has been very quiet for me. I got very sick twice in a short amount of time and moving house at the same time. There was such a surrender that I needed to do in order to just accept what was going on with me and with my body and needing to stop and take a lie down in the middle of the day, which I usually don't do. And actually, I think it's becoming a tool for me of creativity (laughs) because it's really great to just stop in the middle of the day and just say, you know what, I got to put my feet up and not do a thing. But the surrender of who I am as an artist, and you know, I love what we were talking about before. I just want to reiterate it, moving from L.A., and having a whole life there and an identity there, and then coming to South Carolina where nobody knows who I am, except for those that are close to me. And of course, my fan base who is all, they're all over the world, but most of them are in California. And just accepting that there's, this is a new chapter. Mm. Now, what does that really mean? Mm. You know, well, for my health, my health is still getting my attention and asking me to go very slowly into this new year. I'm in the winter months and you're in the summer months, which are always interesting for us to converse because, you know, you're in the full swing of yep. the sun and we Vibrance. are ab- yeah. energy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we are like under the earth. <laughs> under we're a blanket. Like the, <laughs> oh, I always think of winter as, you know, when the roots are growing down beneath the surface and you can't really see what's going on. So that acceptance has been really powerful for me of just allowing what is. And I've noticed that the music is is starting to peek its head out. Uh, We had some beautiful musician friends here last week and there were six of us just jamming. We just had a wonderful jam and I saw my, my little music self going, Yay, this feels so good. <laughs> I like this. This is what I love, you know, and, and uh, it definitely inspired me. And I'm, I'm wondering what the next step is for me now to get out into the world as a musician here in, yeah. a, new, in a new country. It feels like a new country. <laughs> 
and it's interesting how geography plays a place in our identity and how connected we are and how we're seen. Like I I was saying, if I'm ever speaking of you to another friend, I'll say, oh, yeah, Jennifer, she's an L.A.-based singer-songwriter and spiritual teacher. And that's my shorthand. And I know that's how you describe yourself in lots of places. And I'm wondering, is there an alternative or are you just taking off the geographical reference and just becoming a singer-songwriter and spiritual teacher? And does that have a role to play in this identity shift that you're doing? You know what? It feels like it's peeling off the layers because as you said that, I felt, no, I'm an African. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were born in I'm Africa. I'm an African. That's right. I'm an African. So it's interesting because it's, I guess the geography, it doesn't have that much to do with who I am, but I feel like I'm discovering a new, not a new part, but I'm remembering an old part of myself here. And that is the part of playing with the fairies and dancing with the elementals and the nature spirits mm -hmm. and... I feel like part of my parched soul has come out to play. And I can't wait to see what is birthed from that in my music. Yeah. You just yeah. got so much more nature around you. It's so beautiful to see. I had a similar contraction around the geographical based identity issue in the last maybe couple of weeks, month, for the same reason, having left the farm and I realized that some of my bios on various social media platforms and the ways the ways that I describe myself. And even on this podcast, I talk about living on a farm in rural Eastern Australia and working out of my milking bales that we, you know, renovated. And you once said to me, that sounds so interesting. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, yes, but it was just a description of reality. Now I've got to let it go because we've shifted. I don't live on a farm anymore. I don't work out of refurbished milking bales, I I need to update it, put it that way. And I had a sadness in letting that go. And I realized mm. that after 14 years, I did see that as part of me. I wasn't someone who lived in the city. I was someone who was based on a farm and I understood managing properties and I had the peace of that property. But there was some vanity in there as well. And I feel like I've had to face that bit of myself that's gone, oh, <laughs> a real reluctance to let it go in so many ways. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you would have heard my reluctance to actually leave the farm physically. But now I'm letting go of the vestiges of that. And part of it that's been hard for me is because nature is such a muse for me. Being embedded in nature is such a critical part of my creative practice and I feel it in the new home in town, I don't have it quite as much on my doorstep, put it that way. And so I'm actually having to go find areas that I can go visit and be that are like the equivalent of my paddock walks. Absolutely. And you will, because I know I if am. I could find them in LA, you could find them. I am. Absolutely I am. where you are. I'm on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I think too, as, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about many musicians that I know that are getting on in their years and they're having trouble hearing or maybe arthritis in the fingers. Or, you know, since COVID, a lot of the gigs have stopped. You know, even now, even now, people are still hesitant to get together. And that's what musicians do is they love creating when people get together. And what does that do to you as a musician? 
when you're not out in the world playing. You know, that's mm. that's another part of the identity that has to be questioned and, and integrated into, am I really a musician if I don't do that? You know, I guess it would be as if arthritis took over for an artist. Like, what if I can't paint the way that I used to paint? We've heard a lot of stories and seen movies about this very thing. You know, what happens when your life changes so much that your identity as an artist is questioned by you? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, an in, it's an internal game, isn't it? This is not. Mm -hmm. How do we say ourselves? And what was your path when you were really sick and you just couldn't play and there was no capacity? What was the story that you were saying inside your head? I started tapping in to a writer. Her name is Soleika Joed. She is actually married to John Baptiste, who is a singer-songwriter that I love. And her story is so interesting because she was a brilliant young writer, came out of Princeton University, and 11 months later, she was diagnosed with leukemia and immediately put in an isolation kind of situation where she was in chemo and she wasn't out in the world. And she said that that isolation, that disorientation, it started to really weigh on her, like, what do I do? And she had to start writing. She had to start doodling. She had to do something. The artistry came out of survival. And I just have enjoyed her writing because she is a very creative soul and she still is battling with her body. She wrote a book. She married John Baptiste in the midst of having just, they had a day before she was going back in the hospital. That is so remarkable, mm. you know, to just like, I'm not going to let this Embrace stop my life. life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep going. And I was able, you know, to spend a few moments here and there and write a song in the midst of all this that I love. I was able to see that it really does go with me. And I know we've talked about this before with a move, but really, if I am taken out physically and have to, to be in bed, which I don't see happening in a long term for myself, but if anybody out there that's listening is going through a health challenge that is stopping them from doing what they're used to doing, I would just encourage you to just be with the essence of the artistry and allow yourself to soak in other people's work, enjoying their work. Uh, you know, I listened to a whole lot of music and got back into some of my theory and, you know, mm. not as a student, but just as like, a curious one, you know, what are they doing there? Why is that so interesting in, in, to the ear? Yeah, that's my story at, mm. in, in this moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were talking about the aging artists and how they transitioned in their artistry and how it changed. And I remember reading a story about Matisse who could no longer paint, but he used to get his studio helpers to paint great big sheets of paper in single blocks of colour. And then he used to say he would paint with his scissors and he used to, he did the most magnificent cutout artistry towards mm -hmm. the end of his career and life. And you and I are both inspired by the story of Frida Kahlo and her capacity to really accept her situation and still see her artistry from that perspective and, and has given us some incredible art as a result of her mental strength and her resilience, I think. Yeah, and but there's also a place of non-acceptance for her that she would not allow the sickness 
it was almost like her artistry had to break out, right? It, it, yeah. it had to be expressed. A in, mirror, yeah. A, and a mirror so that she ceiling. could see herself and, and do self-portraits that way. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. And I think you're right. It is acceptance, non-acceptance. So it's it's acceptance in that it's a big deal to be able to be okay and proceed forward with that kind of challenge. And I, I also think we comes back to the labels of things. And it's like the story that you shared with me about that UK-based artist, Clark Reynolds, who's doing the beautiful, brightly coloured dot paintings. And he, I believe, was born with... Uh, limited sight in one eye and then lost some of his sight in his good eye and his artwork is actually talking the story of vision impaired people trying to get them excited about art, young people getting them to see that there's a path forward mm -hmm. and maybe people who are his peers to see that there is something that's possible to come out of this my family story is I grew up with my grandfather who was blinded in World War II and he came back to Australia with other injuries as well as the blindness and started a business and was very independent. He was Australia's agent for Vitrinox, which is Swiss Army knives. And he used to import beautiful German chef's knives. And, you know, he had a great business that was very, very successful. Wow. And, when, and I was 32 when he died. And I read his obituary in the paper by a friend, a dear friend of his. And the title of the story was Despite Adversity and Disability, How Much Had Been Achieved. And that was, I guess, riffing off that. And up until that point in my life, so my grandfather spoke multiple languages. He lived in Europe before the war. He spoke Italian, German, French. He could say wow. a few words in Russian. He would talk French to my mother, who was quite good. He would talk German to me because I studied German at high school and university. And he was in his you know, 70s and 80s at the time and hadn't read a book for 40 years sort of thing because of his sight injury. And it wasn't until that moment in time when I read that obituary that I ever considered my grandfather would be seen by others as disabled. I wow. never considered my grandfather disabled. He was blind and there was a difference. And I think that's sort of what Clark Reynolds is saying. He has this physical impairment, but there's possibilities. And mm -hmm. I think the identity thing is a really interesting one and in how we label and how others label us about ability and our whether it's temporary or permanent, where we're at with our physical health, and where we're at geographically and how those things relate to us and how important they are at different mm -hmm. times and for different people they will be they will change so yeah that that was an interesting article thank wow. you for sharing that and I'll put the link yeah. in the notes for others to have a read about what Clark Reynolds is doing I love hearing about your grandfather what an inspiration and I wonder if there was some moments in time when he had to deal with anger you know, when he had to deal with this thing that had happened to him, he obviously did not let it be a limitation. But Andre Bocelli, there's a great movie about his life, and he slowly lost his sight through adolescence. And it shows so clearly his anger and how it, it kept him from really doing what he came here to do for a while until he found his teacher who basically said, whatever you're angry about, it's time to get over it because you have a great gift here to share. And I think just in my little way, as I was sick and in bed, it seems to be 
anger seems to come up like the first reaction. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. You know, I, I got so much to do, you know? I, and, yeah. And anger I, is I'm moving... fear of loss, isn't it? Like that's, it's the preemptive move emotionally. If you feel like you're going to lose something and it might be your time or your ability to produce, it's kind of understandable in that respect. Absolutely. I think it's necessary part of the process because on the other side of that anger, when you do surrender and accept what's going on, you will receive the gift of what's going on. Because to me, there's no accidents. There's nothing that happens that hasn't been absolutely orchestrated for my highest good. Mm. And that belief has helped me a lot. As I'm looking back, I really needed that downtime in order for me to go through this huge change. And even though I thought on, on a human level and a physical level, I was really strong, it wasn't about that. It was really about me going through a metamorphosis mm. and uh, just like the snake losing their skin. It was very similar to that for me. And this, this question of identity around your new opportunities and new environment and being in a new place, I can see that unfolding and I'd love to hear more about that as time goes on. And I think the parallel with me is I'm being asked to look more at how do I recreate the elements that I need because I got them on a platter at the farm and now I have to actually go to other places and seek them out and find what I need for myself. And I think that this is part of my great learning right now and that is part of me as an artist and how I see myself is that I need that creative muse through Mother Nature, through a creek bed and some beautiful rock formations and a tree and a bit of peeling bark and a bird flitting past, you know, all of that. Let's not forget the mud. Yeah. Well, we... <laughs> well I'm, I'm laughing because my perception of what has happened since you've moved you hit the ground running. You had a you had a couple of shows, started teaching right away. You had you started a, another podcast, and you you've taken a couple trips to the most beautiful places on the earth, <laughs> and you did art there, you know, which is so cool. <laughs> I feel like it's a really good question for me to ponder, and I don't know if this is relevant for you, but this question of identity, who am I from the inside as an artist? And part of that rests on who am I as a person. And I feel that one of my things that I'm really mindful of this year is commitment. When I make commitment, I want to see it all the way through. And my reflection on this in the last month or so has been the last few years have been a lot of flux and change with things that I couldn't pin down. And as a someone who loves to plan, someone who loves to kind of dream out front, that's okay to do. But I've been good at being responsive to flow. But I also now realize that there's some elements of that, which I've, has got me quite, I want to use the word lazy, but I don't mean it in a negative sense. I just mean I've been incredibly phlegmatic. You know, I've just whatever comes and I'm happy to embrace and blah, blah, blah. But part of me actually wants to change some things in my life for the better. And because I feel like this is really going to move me forward and expand my capacity to make art and to give to the world. And part of that requires a deeper level of commitment. 
So it means that while I can talk about, yeah, I really want to, you know, I'll stretch and move my body every day and I'll meditate every day. I actually need to do it every day. If that's what I'm going to say I want to do, if that's because I believe I understand the why behind that, I need to do it. That's the thing that I'm doing at the moment is I'm actually putting into place some of those really foundational habits that I've let come and go, been a bit laissez-faire about. And that also includes creating every day. And even if it's just a five-minute sketch with a fountain pen in a little book, we're not talking big stuff. It's really whatever it is, and they're, they're just some things that are meaningful for me for different reasons, just like we were talking last episode with Yolanda, that my changing around my relationship with food and eating so that my physical body can be as well as possible, that's what's going to carry me forward. Mm-hmm. And I love our in exchange because that's part of my intellectual stimulation and our glorious mastermind group with Lisa, that is part of the, you know, juice for me on a weekly, monthly basis. So I'm recognizing all those things and being a lot more committed. So that means re-embracing the ability to say no, because this is important for me as an artist and my identity as a person as well. You know, it's part of my human capacity. Mm. You know, I love all that you said, and I am in such a different place than you with that right now, which is just fine, because I was supposed to release a book this month, and I had to let that go. So what I've been focusing on is being available and asking for the inspiration. So before I go to bed, I go, inspire me so that I can get this book out. And just this week, it started to come out again, and I'm so very excited uh, and a plan. And yes, I'm a planner too, but very different than you. I'm a Gemini. (laughs) So my planning is a little different than your method of planning, but I'm going to release it now on a very meaningful day for me, the equinox, Mm -hmm. uh, which for for me will be spring. And, And I love the process that somebody gave me to do. It feels very organic and natural. And I have to say, something is coming up about identity that to me, it feels like we have to continue to take off the layers of what, who we really think we are to get down to the real foundational piece that we are mm. simple. We are of the light. We have, you know, <laughs> we've come here to do something really important. And each one of us has that individual knowing. But as far as our real identity, it's light. And how nebulous is that? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and what does that, what does that mean when it gets embodied in Michelle, and what does that mean when it gets embodied in Jennifer? And I think, you know, you've mentioned your word for 2023 and you've just said it in available and mine is embodied. And I feel like this inquiry that I'm in this year around being embodied, embodying my creativity, embodying joy, embodying abundance, part of the inquiry is about identity. And where am I you know, without getting too much into the psychology of everything, just where am I being a little less loving? Where am I being either to myself or others? Where am I being, where am I coming from scarcity where I don't need to? And so part of this is really intertwined for me. I think it's exciting. Well, we've covered lots of (laughs) 
lots of territory with a big question <laughs> around identity of of what does this mean from the big to the little and in between. I think there's lots of things we can pursue. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you, Jen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for giving your time to tune into our conversation. And please, if you've got any comments or any questions, send them through. We'd love to hear your wisdom. Yes. Around identity. (laughs) What are you thinking about your identity as an artist and as a human? Love to hear your ideas. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Bye.